grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Religion and politics. They say you should never talk about these things with anybody else because it can quickly lead to charged emotions, polarized divisions, and hurt feelings. And I'm guessing you probably have people in mind that if you were to talk about these things with, you know how the conversations would go and it would not be good for you or for them or anybody else who was listening in. And yet we also can't avoid these taboo conversation topics. Why, religion is everything that we hope for because of what God gives to us both now and forevermore. And politics, well, that's how our government operates, which affects each and every one of us on a very deep and personal level. And what is it that we get to talk about this morning as we gather around God's Word? Religion and politics. God and government. But you're not going to hear anything said about endorsements or recommendations because of current headlines like the conflict between or the violence between Israel and Hamas. Nor are you going to hear commentary on our governing authorities like President Biden, Governor Hobbs, or Mayor Romero. What you will hear is what our Lord says in his word about our governing authorities as a whole and how we as Christians respond to them regardless of who that person may be that is serving us and ruling over us. And as we dig deep into Romans chapter 13, we see the Apostle Paul just plainly say how everyone is to submit to the governing authorities. Why? Well, it's because of who they are as God's servant working for our good. And because of that, we give them what we owe out of love for God and the freedom that Christ won for us on the cross. When we think of our Lord, he indeed has all power, authority, and right as the Lord of all, Lord, the King of kings over all. And every governing authority that there is over us derives their authority from him above doesn't matter how they came into power or who the particular person is or even when that they were in position of power. If they're there, the authority, the rule they have is a subset of God's own authority. And these ruling authorities, well, they act as God's servant, described in two different ways in these verses. First of all, as God's intermediary or as his agent who carries out his will for us as God determines and secondly, as his public minister, who demonstrates God's own governance of us amongst us and hopefully is a good representation of who God is above. It's also in these verses we learn the base purpose of our governing authorities, which is to work for our benefit, to work for our good, which is described as punishing what's evil and promoting what's good. God has given the sword to the government to punish that evil, a weapon that is designed to inflict fear, pain, and even death if necessary. Now, granted, swords are obsolete nowadays. We see the government wielding its sword through things like law enforcement, the courts, military, 
industry regulators, or even the IRS officials. When it comes to that second purpose for government, to, to promote what's good, here the Lord has given a degree of flexibility as they praise those who do it so that it may be done so. Though not commanded to do so, is not inherently wrong to also offer things that are good for all of us, like certain tax breaks for things that lead to a country's long-term health. Or social services for people in need so that they don't resort to violence just to make ends meet. Or even things like a public education or tuition tax credits so there may be a better informed citizenry for the people that they rule over. All in all, when we look at the government, we see it as this. God's up top with his authority and power over all, and those who rule over us have a subset of his authority, working for our benefit as he describes, by punishing what's evil with the sore, promoting what's good with praises and just carrots and good things that we go for. And then there's us at the bottom who receive God's own governance through them as his servants. However, is that how you view those who tell you what is right and wrong and work their will against yours? As wanting what's best for you, working for your good? Or do you suspect their motivations as being something other than good, but maybe more so self-serving or maybe just to be a pain in your backside? Maybe it's when you had to suffer more than what was needed because of that traffic stop or the nosy neighbor's complaint or the, de the debt collector who took it to the next step. Maybe you were stifled from doing what you wanted to do by the miles of red tape, the endless bureaucracy, and all the rules that say how we're supposed to do things, and they make no sense and they conflict with each other. Do you perhaps have a low view of those who rule over us because you don't think that they deserve the title as God's servant? Ever since the days of our founding fathers, there has been some level of selfishness, some level of corruption within our government. And even right now, the, the gridlock that's happening on Capitol Hill because House Republicans can't agree who is to lead them has stalled the entire legislative branch. If people can't serve for the best of those they rule or can't even do their job that they are supposed to be doing, haven't they forsaken, haven't they given up the right of being called God's servant? And can't we treat them however we want then? Let's state the obvious though. No one person can live up to God's expectations. Whether it's us and the standard of God's holy law or those who rule over us as God's own servant. But just because sin has thrown a wrench into the gears does not mean that everything's just fallen apart and we can do whatever we want. No, the Lord, he continues to work through the system he set up, through the process he has as he cares for us and protects us and loves us through things like the government and those who rule over us. But it is fair to say that some do it much better than others. 
But even despite the sins of those who lead us in, likely most of them not even realizing what the Bible says about their position in the first place. As we look at the government, we can also see God's loving hand behind it. As they punish what's evil, our Lord provides us with safety and order. Not just so that we can stay alive and can live amongst each other with everybody's a different opinion, of course, but even more so, so that we're out of the survival mindset and a second focus on those deeper eternal truths like Jesus and his forgiveness that we need so much. By promoting what's good with praises and things that are, that, that, that are rewards, well, we all benefit from that, Right? A rising tide lifts all boats, and if the country prospers, well, so does everyone else in that country, at least normally, usually. And we also see how the Lord richly supplies people to do this very thing. According to their websites, the city of Tucson has roughly 5,000 employees, and Pima County has around 7,000. That ballpark number of 12,000 people does not represent just how bloated and corrupt our local government is. It's a metric of how many people the Lord has raised up to serve in this way, some of whom include our governing authorities and even those of us here today. Even though those people have never heard of Romans 13, what God says still remains the case. No authority exists except by God. And the authorities that do exist have been established as God. And so viewing them in the light of the Bible as God's servant, even if they don't realize it, we see that connection between the Lord above and the people ruling over us. And so we submit to them as he would to God himself, because to rebel against their authority is to rebel against the authority that God has given to them. But to submit to their governance, well, then we're submitting to how God governs us through his servants. With this identification of who they are in the light of the Bible, we then move on to what our response is as Christians as we give what we owe them. The book of Romans here again describes what this looks like as our attitudes and actions, attitudes like honor and respect as we desire their best and actions like taxes and obedience so we can fund their work in the first place and so they don't have as many headaches to deal with. This is what we are to give unless, of course, we are commanded to sin against God. In that case, we know who to listen we must listen to men, or we must listen to God rather than men, and then be willing to endure whatever consequences come out of that. But minus that exception, there is no reason for us to withhold what is due from us from those who rule over us. Again, why is that? Here are verses give us even more reasons to encourage us. First of all, it's just in our self-interest. If you are a law-abiding citizen who honors and respects those who are over you, you have nothing to fear from those who wield the power of the sword. Even when people fall victim to selfishness, corruption, or just plain bad judgment calls, 
we expect us to be vindicated and restored in the end. But, but as Christians, we have a second better reason, and that's our own conscience, a conscience that is informed by God's Word. Seeing this connection between our Lord above and those who rule over us, to, to withhold what we owe them is to withhold it from God Himself. And as children of God, well, why would we want to do that? Of course not. So hopefully we don't. As if that wasn't enough, there's a third reason that is kind of practical, to be honest. It's just to support their work. This is thinking specifically of the taxes here. Just as here at Grace, as we give our offerings out of a free and thankful heart to one, just to help the ministry go forward into the future, and with the wonderful example you guys have set by encouraging and supporting your leaders so that they enjoy going out forward, we can be certain that Grace's ministry will continue for years to come. In the same way, it is with those who rule over us. By paying our taxes, we pay the bills. And by obeying them, we at least have people who are more likely to have good intentions at heart or at least govern as they are, as they are expected to. But as you hear what is owed to our ruling authorities, how well do your attitudes line up with this? When you get the jury summons in your mailbox, do you honor the command that has been given to you and the one who issued it, that you will participate in our judicial system in at least some fashion? When you check out at the restaurant or you, you receive the bill, you check out the grocery store, and you see all those taxes that has been added on, do you respectfully pay your small portion to everything that the government offers and provides? What about our actions? Do we just outright disobey what has been demanded of us because we think the laws are just plain stupid or they don't apply to us for some reason? Do we, do we bend the rules to their legal limit so we can benefit? Like creative accounting when we file our taxes or maybe we gun it when the light turns yellow so we can just be into that box before it turns red. If we're caught red-handed, have we already decided to just play dumb, hoping they'll just let us go or they'll find some bigger fish to fry? We struggle to give what is owed. There's no reason for that. If anybody had a reason to not do this, it would have been Jesus while he walked here in this world. Yet even he, the Lord himself, the Son of God who has all authority, even he did not refuse to submit. Even he did not refuse to give what was owed. To Caesar, he gave the required taxes without making a big fuss of it and even taught the Pharisees a lesson along the way. To Pontius Pilate, he responded with respect and honor to the governor who would condemn him to die on a cross for no reason than just injustice. To the soldiers who committed police brutality, he did not strike back 
as they struck him, spit on him, mocked him, and twisted a crown of thorns into his head. To those who nailed him to that cross, he willingly stretched out his hands and his feet to be nailed into that rough wood. Why, even to God, the Father himself, he drank that cup of suffering, bearing the weight of every sin, dying on that cross, and paying the price that was required for what you and I have done. When we look at Jesus, we don't just see someone who was the perfect citizen and who gave what was owed every time. We see our Savior. Our Savior who has forgiven us of every time we have refused to submit or have failed to do so or not given what was owed. And it's through faith in him and that death on the cross that pays for your sins, his resurrection from the grave that shows that, yes, his payment was accepted in full, that you are cleansed of every sin. You are free from the law's eternal curse that is that suffering in hell. And now you get to see the Lord above in his true light. He's not the man who is pushing you down through his authoritative servants. No, he is your loving father who cares for you, who loves you, who protects you through so many people who have authority over us. It's out of love for our Father. And the freedom we have because of Christ and his death on the cross that we look at our governing authorities and we say to them, how can I show my love for God by loving you? There's one clear way is to give what we owe them our attitudes of honor and respect, our actions of taxes and obedience so they may continue doing their work and serve in God's place and that we may benefit from our Lord who works through them. Religion and politics, God and government, there is a lot that could be said on these conversation taboo topics. For the things that have not been said this morning, I encourage you to to read your Bibles and to talk with your pastors to see what else the Lord speaks in general terms or maybe specifics that are on your heart or that you personally struggle with. But here's what Romans 13 says. Everyone is to submit to the governing authorities. For they are God's servant working for our good as they punish what's evil with the sword and promote what's good with praises and wonderful rewards. Why? Or our response to that? So that we can give them what we owe, our attitudes and actions, out of self-interest, out of a Christian conscience, and to propel their work into the future as well. And I encourage you to do just that. View those who rule over you in the light of the Bible as God's servant who carries out his will for you. Yes, they will not live up to expectations, and many of them probably don't even know what Romans 13 says in the first place. Maybe not. I could be a little bit too critical there. But that doesn't change what the Bible says. His servants his intermediaries, his public ministers to work his will among us to keep us safe and to provide order and stability in this world.
seeing them as his servants. Let's therefore submit to them. Because when we submit to them, we submit to the Lord above himself who gave them their authority and works that authority through them. And then let's also give what we owe them. Those attitudes of honor, respect, those actions of obedience and taxes. And even though Romans doesn't say this, it's also appropriate to add what 1 Timothy 2 says about praying for them. Pray that they live up to God's expectations for their service. That they realize who they are in the light of God as his servants and then to humbly and selflessly take up the task they have as they watch over us and keep us safe and deal with the sinful realities of this world. Because through it all, we see what it is. To submit to those whom God has placed over us in his place to keep us safe and to help us in so many ways. Now to love for the Father who works through them and the freedom that Christ won for us on that cross, let's joyfully and gladly do this very thing and perhaps model it among others on this touchy subject that can be so confusing and distracting to so many. Amen.